I am Lebiel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works. This week, we will become war correspondents creeping around the no-man's land of discarded wrapping paper and ribbons to address the war on Christmas. So, how are you familiar with the term war on Christmas? I am familiar with the war on Christmas as being a conservative talking point that springs from Fox News into existence fully formed in the in the body of Donald Trump. So what I've learned um, for research for this week's program, or for our program today, the second part of our Christmas special, Yes, it's different from what I thought, but very much like our abortion issue, it seems that this is another fight that's just taken into this form. Okay. When we read about or we learned about the abortion issue for fundamentalism, Mm -hmm. we learned that it actually was another issue entirely. Right. Segregation. Segregation was the issue and the the need to, or the desire to keep schools segregated and hold on to a a tax-exempt status for religious churches. uh, It was... Religious schools led them to take the step of trying to manipulate things politically. Politically. It was the need to grow their political power, and so they merged with Catholics. Right. So they took up points of view that were compatible with the Catholic points of view. The Catholic Church has a very strong position on when life begins. They also have a very strong position on when life ends. So in the Catholic Church, it's very consistent. Right. Whether or not we agree with it. However, in the Protestant Church, it's very inconsistent. Right, because most Protestants are both pro, quote unquote, pro life uh or anti abortion and pro death penalty. Right, which which Catholics are not. Deeply confusing. It just becomes disingenuous to assume, oh, well, if we are really pro life, then why don't we do anything for the lives of the people? Right, but that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about today, but it's similar in this respect in that it's another issue entirely that motivated the quote-unquote war on Christmas. Well, not even that, even to say that sentence doesn't make any sense. To motivate the... The term, the war on Christmas. The the cry about a war on Christmas, because I'm going to go ahead and give a spoiler alert to all all of our listeners. There is, in fact, no war on Christmas. If there is a war on Christmas, it's not happening here. Yeah, that's fair. All right. If it's happening somewhere in the mission field where you're in a country where you're literally... I believe there was probably a literal war on Christmas right. in the country of Mexico, for right. instance. Yes, uh, that, that did happen. And there was a war in Christianity in general. That's happened in other parts of the world. Right now, there is not the war on Christmas. that we're, it's, it's a false battle cry. It's right. meant to rally people around a cause. But what we're going to do today is look into the motivation for a war on Christmas and how it started. And you're going to give us motivations from 20s, 50s, and historical, and I'm going to give some motivations on some stuff more recently. So there actually was, we're going to start with 1959 and work our way backwards a little bit. Oh, okay. We're going all over the place. In 1959, the John Birch Society, which was a special interest organization founded by um, a conservative business named Robert Welch Jr., he... They produced a flyer called "There Goes Christmas." Is that like a mailer? Was it? Sent uh, out I'm to not people, sure or? exactly how it was distributed. I know that there are magazines. They that the drop it from planes. Out. Oh, 
<laughs> no, see, the John Birch Society was based on John Birch, who was not alive to see the society formed. He was a Baptist missionary, and it seems to be, to all purposes, an American spy. Oh, okay, so they have never declassified whether or not well, he, he was, was a spy? Well, he was called a special operative in some That's of the... That's a spy. Right. <laughs> who was killed by a communist Chinese in 1945. Welch... Was he in China? I believe so, yes, as a missionary. Welch saw John Birch as a patriot, a martyr, and a representative of anti-communist forces and American interests abroad. Okay. So he formed a society... I don't know that I'd go to China to start (laughs) that, like... Right. I mean, that's the hardest place to go. He saw it as a a person in the mission field in, in China being killed by Chinese communists and their atheistic beliefs. Right, right, right. And that's definitely martyrdom, for sure. Okay. So the society was founded in 1958. Now, oh, he was killed in 45. This Right. The society, as I said, he never lived to see the John Birch Society. But uh, they took up his name as an example of the kind of person they wanted uh, or they felt represented their ideas. Okay. The society was founded in 1958 it for, it's, it's formed conservative opinions and created a lot of ideas that are associated with the extreme right now. It associated both the civil rights movement and the United Nations with communist infiltration. So there's some white nationalism. There's an element of white nationalism to it. Mostly it's very much the language that we hear nowadays, protecting Western culture. Easy to dismiss it as white nationalism. I'm not dismissing I it. I know, but th- I think that using that term is dismissive in this case because it... it goes to an extreme. The people who best represent the John Birch Society are not going to ever declare themselves white nationalists. Well, of course not. So the issue becomes that we can ident- they'll see that as a way of dismissing what their work is. In truth, it's a really prejudicial kind of discrimination against everything that doesn't fit into a particular view of Western European culture. The civil rights movement in the United Nations were seen as detrimental to society and aided and popularized secret communist forces. Right. So one of the things that's very popular now, the notion of introducing alternative histories, wherein uh, the world is at threat or being threatened by other forces. In 1958, when the society was founded, it was the communists infiltrating through the United Nations, trying to create a sort of a multiculturalism. So now it's... uh, liberals and elitists. Those are the terms that are being used in place of communists. We don't hear that much anymore. And where are these people located? Uh, They are a nationwide group. I'm talking about which nation? They're the United States? Yes. Okay, so they don't understand the fundamental basis of the United States. They don't, no. They want to preserve a culture that they believe isn't, you know is American culture, but it's really, in that respect, it is white nationalism. It is white American culture. Right. Or I, things that can assimilate into that yeah, culture. Yeah, and I, I think, just I, wanna, I'm, I just want to let you know, I think that you think that I'm being flip about this. White mm-hmm. nationalism, I think, is probably the greatest threat other than climate change mm-hmm. currently. I think, though, and the reason why I don't want to include white nationalism as the term to put them under, is that they will be perfectly acceptable to people of other races that fit into this American Western... Well, as long as you assimilate to me, absolutely. So so they're not segregationist in that way. They're not like anti-miscegenation or things like that. But The notion that 
a white nationalist won't allow black or Jewish people into their ranks at all. Right, 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 right. right. So but it's, fundamentally, it's they are still, mm -hmm. they adhere to the same beliefs. Which is what makes it difficult and uh, amounts to splitting hairs with white nationalism is that there are the people who believe they're protecting a culture, and then there are people who literally believe that you have to um, protect, there's a sanctity to European blood. Oh yeah, no. This Both is of yes. Which are two. Com oh, those are different ideas. They're but different they ideas, are and they overlap. Together. And right. but they—that's the thing. They align. They align. Your so your goals and my goals are the same goals, even if our reasons are different. Right. So people in the John Birch Society might sneer at racists themselves. At the same time, they don't see how what they're doing is terribly prejudicial. Right. But if they just read right. what the what what those racists like the reasons behind that mm -hmm. racism, they'd be like, oh yeah, this. Right. <laughs> this is and also what I believe. I'm not sure how much evolution they've had as a, a, a group over time, but they certainly did. And they're still in oh, existence, yes. the John Birch they're Society? Still, uh, they've influenced a lot of public thinking now. And so you hear their talking points repeated by people on the right and a lot of conservatives, extreme conservatives, a lot. And there was a time when it was a, a, a mainstream belief when they had a lot of mainstream um, ideas or they had a lot of mainstream support. Well, also, I think these are, this is also when the mainstream was one of the three television channels that everybody right. watched. So so this pamphlet on Christmas was written by Herbert Craigelow. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, Craigelow. And he set up a narrative that was still used in describing the devaluing of Christmas. He said, one of the techniques now being applied by the Reds to weaken the pillar of religion in our country is to drive Christ out of Christmas. Is a drive to take Christ out of Christmas, to denude the event of its religious meaning. So, the idea is that they believe that any time that you remove Christ from Christmas, though Christ is part of the word Christmas. Right. So uh, he's... Well, I guess Xmas really must right. have twisted their knickers. I, I guess so. <laughs> The writer blames this assault on Christmas on the United Nations, making a number of what would seem wild conspiratorial claims. For instance, uh, and I'm getting quoting, they are already busy, however, at this very moment on efforts to poison the 1959 Christmas season with their high-pressure propaganda. What they now want to put over on the American people is simply this. Department stores throughout the country are to utilize UN symbols and emblems as Christmas decorations. Now, this never happened. I don't even know what a UN symbol is. What I does remember, that mean? <laughs> I, I, I don't know where this is coming from, necessarily, or how they believe that this was actually the United Nations was that big of a threat. But I will tell you something. Oh, it's got the, okay, it's like it's, the world, mm -hmm. and then it's got like a wreath around it. Right, so. And it's blue and white, which are Hanukkah colors. <laughs> so when I was a kid... I went to a Jimmy Swaggart uh, yeah. revival campaign. That's right. I asked you before if it right. was in the Cow Palace. And it was, no, it was in the Oakland Coliseum. I know. We and talked about it. And it all up. <laughs> and one of his talking points was that the United Nations, for all the good it does, you can push it into the East River. He actually said that because, well, advocating violence is not an issue for fundamentalism. But anyhow... That talking point, the United Nations is somehow doing damage to the world, the United Nations is bringing about the Antichrist government, the United Nations, and when we read, if we were able to find some of the Jack T. Chick comic oh, books... the same. They were pushing the that Nations as well. ...is the, the stepping stone to an anti-Christian government which will take over the world. Oh my gosh. 
So in the uh, pamphlet that Crigolo wrote, it, he followed these declarations with an urging of the American public to insist on religious symbols being restored to the holiday shopping season, which is still something you see people who are declaring the war on Christmas doing. It's also a little bit insane that they're like, they're taking the Christ out of Christmas, and rather than putting Christ back in Christmas by not focusing on consumerism, no, 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 we just want all the consumerism to have Christ in it. This, (laughs) like, which is, it seems backwards. Celebrating the life of the famous, I itinerant preacher, homeless preacher. Uh-huh. By Yeah, I bet he presents. didn't have many things. If I had to guess, not very many shoes things. And some clothes, I think, was about it. I don't even think he had full shoes. He, he was a sandal wearer. Well, yes. There you go. He didn't <laughs> even have tops to his shoes. That's right. And some sort of robe that was knit for him. I that was all that we know that he actually possessed in life. So and some people think a shroud. <laughs> Well, the shroud was provided for. I Remember, guess that was when he died, he had to use a borrowed tomb because he didn't have; they couldn't afford to bury him anywhere. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so yeah. Joseph no, it's just it's of just like actually loaned him a tomb to be buried in. He didn't even have that. But the, like, just the the argument doesn't make. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense. They're like, it's too, it's not about Christ enough. So while you're doing all that stuff that's not about Christ, think about Christ. And it's like, well... well I, I don't understand for the life of me why the United Nations was made to be... Because there are brown people there. Well, yeah. So the, the, the pamphlet explaining ideas... Muslims, The maybe. ideas were already Muslims in place. Muslims and Jews, probably. But using what the author and the Birch Society perceived as a threat, which was the multicultural influence of the United Nations, just like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was only 14 years old at the time. And before the UN, going back further, it wasn't the influence of multicultural peoples in their foreign cultures, it was Jews. The Jew- Jewish people. Jewish people. A popular target with conspiracy theorists. Yeah, so that's well. <laughs> true. Before it was the UN, it was the Jewish shop owners who were stifling the Christmas spirit. And that was according to Henry Ford. Now, Henry Ford, who has had an amazing influence on American life and culture. And... and uh, Automobile. Not, yeah, not, no, not, but not just mm-hmm. American life and culture, but the way that... Like in industrialization in the whole world, the, right. the, what he came up with set the standard for a uh, hundred years. Yes. So that's awesome, but also apparently he was a horrible anti-Semite. Well, he wrote a four-volume anti-Semitic rant called "The International Jew." So here's a question: When you say four, four vol- volumes, what does that mean? That means that the was it a pamphlet? Four pamphlets? Was it no, four not books? Four was it books? Oh, good job. You didn't so, have anything better to do? You just had to spew hate for four books? Right, because it covers a variety of topics on Jews and all the kinds of... Uh, oh, right, part one. Historically, uh, what Jews get up to, part oh two. Well, as a matter of fact, I think I can read you the titles. Oh, geez, the volume titles? Uh, Please do. I'm going to be sick. Can't wait. What was it called? The, the I, International Jew. The International Jew. I am sorry to anybody who is Jewish and listening to this. What a mess. One thing that Amity and I have going for us is that we actually know the names of our Jewish friends, too. Uh, also, that, we Trump. try not to use... Yes, right. We don't just make them up. Right, make up Jewish friends because I don't who, have any... And who we name Sheldon, which <laughs> feels in and of itself anti-Semitic. All right, so the International Jew is composed of four volumes. 
Uh, volume one was The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem. Okay. Volume two was Jewish Activities in the United States. Volume three was Jewish Influenced American Life. And volume four was Aspects of Jewish Power in the United States. All of those titles, other than the first one, could be just surveys of the power. Like, because there are powerful Jewish people. There always have been in the United States. But that first one really really colors the other ones, doesn't it? Well, it it lets you know where you're going. It's like the first five minutes of a Bond movie. You know what you're going to get if you can sit through the first five minutes. Right? Parkour. Mostly parkour. <laughs> parkour and lots of uh, really bad gunfire. Like, there's, there's, there's no marksman in a, in a Bond film. Everyone's shooting over your no, head. No, it's got to go ping, ping, exactly. ping. I don't know why we're talking about this. So, okay. Anyhow. So, Henry Ford, terrible right. person. Cool. So, terrible person. He said, it is not religious tolerance in the midst of religious difference, but religious attack that they preach and practice. The whole record of the Jewish opposition to Christmas, Easter, and certain patriotic songs shows that. So he Can believed... Can I ask, do you know which patriotic songs he had an issue with? <laughs> or, or the Jewish people had Jewish an people issue with? Interest, but, uh, or an issue Was with. it the terrible slave ones? Because I, I also have an issue with that. I am I'm not, not sure. I, I, it's very difficult to read any of this material. Yeah, I guess that's right. (laughs) I didn't need to do (laughs) my eyes bounced off of it. I couldn't even focus (laughs) into the international Jew in four volumes. You're just like, um, there are better things to do with my life. Literally anything else. (laughs) I ever read Mein Kampf either. It's weird. (laughs) Yes, uh, but um, but here he's laying out the same ideas that would later be pushed by the John Birch Society in their pamphlet. Okay. Now before that. Before that, it was the founding fathers themselves that outlawed Christmas. What? Oh, was it because to celebrate of on grounds that the celebration was not in line with their interpretation of scriptural teaching? I said once, way back when we started. Oh, you're calling pilgrims founding fathers? I would argue with that. Right. Well, the founding fathers of the United States, as they're you, referred to. You're talking about the Puritans, right. though. Like they refused killjoys, historical killjoys. Well, I remember once mentioning on this podcast that. As harsh as it sounds, some of the quote-unquote founding fathers were simply religious fanatics that were kicked out of right. Europe because they but were the, just the so The term difficult. founding fathers usually goes to the 1770 group, Hamilton, uh-huh. Jefferson, Washington. So we're even talking, mean, we're talking about Mayflower people. Right, the Pilgrim Fathers the pilgrims. maybe would be a more appropriate term. The Puritans, buckled hats, buckled shoes, no fun. right. So they sort of like clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. (laughs) So Christmas was banned in Massachusetts from 1659 to 1861. 1861. 1861. What happened in 1860 where they were just like, we need to, this needs to stop. I'm Uh tired of having underground Christmas. (laughs) Let me. uh, In fact, isn't there a movie about that? Now that I'm thinking, now that I've said that out loud, I'm like, oh, I think I heard a story about this. Let me um, actually see if this actually coincides with um, what I meant to say. Because there's a very interesting coincidence if it's the case. Oh, no, not exactly. But I'll tell you, I don't know what happened in 1861. Okay. But in 1843, Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. Now. He was in England. Yes. Okay. I like using Charles Dickens. 
Yes. Because the imagery from him is uh, that Dickens evokes is very familiar. Go ahead. So imagine that Christmas was still illegal in Massachusetts, what, 20 years after A Christmas Carol was written? Yeah. Or more, almost. And it was also um, uh, what I was thinking of uh-huh. when I was like, wasn't there a movie or something about that? It was Outlander, Scotland. Mm-hmm. It, it was banned in Scotland for a long time, like a super long time, like maybe until this or last decade. Christmas was banned in Scotland for 400 years. Well, that's a little rough. Um, now, I don't know how well this was enforced. I'm saying this, but it might very well be that it was public displays of Christmas. It could have been, I don't think they went into your home and took your Christmas tree. It was, but it was like from the 1600s to 1871. That's it's a long time. So almost as long, mm. yeah. But I mean, it, but it went back further than that. I think 1640 abolished Yule, the Yule vacation and all observation thereof. Oh, that's amazing. I, um, I don't understand. And then they started repealing pieces of it. But so what uh, that means yeah. is it's telling you that the first war on Christmas was carried out by Christians. Right. So the culmination of all of these ideas, starting with the founding fathers and their sort of uh, two, you know, they were too uh, religious or pious for an unscriptural celebration like Christmas, which means that they re- understood in the very beginning that Christmas was not necessarily a religious holiday. Right. However, the idea that it somehow was such a part of the culture that it had to be observed and it had to be. Uh, it had to have religious meaning. Yeah. This really was used as a tool to, a leverage tool against a probably originally Jewish shop owners who then probably. got discriminated against and people shopped at other stores. Other stores, right. Especially if they're, they're, their buying was amping up. And then, also, you, then it's punitive towards the right, Jewish shop exactly. owners. Yeah. And it's also a way of taking it, I'm not sure exactly why the United Nations, that still baffles me why they were made the target. But the same ideas are still with us. There's a, in 2006, the Chicago Tribune polled 68% of the people, uh, or rather 68% of the people polled, believe that there was a war on Christmas. And that comes directly from Fox News. Right. So That is Bill O'Reilly sitting in his chair, taking breaks from sexually harassing the women around him. And Sean Hannity, fake martial artist. Yes. <laughs> but also, yeah, and, and what they want Christmas to be mm-hmm. is also not religious. Like, that's the thing. There is this schism mm-hmm. in what they want, what they demand, and what the history is. So right. they want Christmas trees everywhere. Guess what? Christmas trees are not a Christian thing. That's right. a Yule thing. Stockings, Yule. Fire, Yule. All of the trappings of Christmas as we know them in the United States Almost all of them. The nativity, Christian. Mass, Christian. (laughs) Right? But like gift giving, Yule. Like all of those things come from pagan holidays that were... And we we talked about Christmas last year. Subsumed. It used to be, here's an orange, let's go to church. And that was it. That was Christmas. Well, they... The and we can uh, talk. There's a lot. There's a, a long conversation about how a syncretism, 
Yes. And how essentially the church would absorb other holidays. Right. In order to keep people who had converted, they were allowed to keep their holidays. Right. And, and meld them into the Christian tradition. But then when you don't connect those yes. to the beliefs that you're trying to link them to, mm-hmm. then when those become more secularized, you can't get mad at that. No, because there, I... I think that the only time really, and that's why we went over the Christmas story last time. Yes. Because I wanted everyone to understand, oh, this is what that means. This is the baby you see in the manger. It probably was not at all like we see in our nativity scenes. We learned three wise men who are the only time probably that Christmas symbols outside of the nativity coincide with Christmas tradition. That's the only excuse you can think of for bringing gifts to somebody. Oh, it's commemorating the gifts brought to baby Jesus. You could make that point. Yes, sure. But it doesn't necessarily that that doesn't necessarily go together. No, since it didn't actually happen on the birth on the birth of. of yes, yeah. So, but that at least mm, you can link a right. Christmas tree. You cannot link. Much less someone Stockings. coming down your chimney. Well, the Santa, the whole Santa this, thing is this just that all-seeing character who comes down your chimney, sneaks into your house. That's Coca-Cola made. <laughs> Creepy. It's I deeply upset. I don't, upsetting. Yeah. I don't want anybody else watching me. I only and have frankly, somebody. old white men dressed in red these days make me nervous. Well, so, yes. yeah, no, thank you. But uh, yeah, and I, again, I'm not making light of some of these Christmas traditions, but we can't insist that everyone celebrates Christmas the way that we've been raised to celebrate it. Well, not to mention not. the fact that in this country, uh-huh. starting on October or on November first now. Mm-hmm. Christmas is literally everywhere you look. It's in every it's in every store. Mm-hmm. It's on everybody's lawn. Lights are up. People are mad because now there's like a war on Thanksgiving and it's pushing into Halloween. There should be a war on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love Thanksgiving. It's the food I, holiday. I, do. I don't love what it stands for. You're we right. could switch the meaning, but please let me eat all day on a Thursday and then do nothing on a Friday. I want it. That I can agree to. Let me have it. If it means that it's, I also have to go vote that day, fine. (laughs) Like if we could merge a day off for voting and a day where I get to just eat all day, this is a plan I can get behind. Elizabeth Warren, are you listening? (laughs) I don't know why I picked her. (laughs) She's got a plan. That's why. Um, I tend to, I don't ever initiate holiday greetings mm-hmm. when I'm out because I don't presume. Uh, I'll say have a nice day. I won't say happy holidays or Merry Christmas. Right. I will typically respond with what I'm given. So if somebody says Merry Christmas, I'll say Merry Christmas back. If some, But for me, happy holidays works better because it, come, it encompasses, I could start saying it on in October. And it covers Halloween, it covers Thanksgiving, it covers Hanukkah, covers Christmas, covers Kwanzaa, covers New Year's, covers any other thing that I'm missing. I'm sure that there is a Muslim holiday falling in here somewhere and covers Yule. And I know people who celebrate most, if not all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to think about when is it because this time is already compressed with so well, much other I, stuff. This is kind of, uh, it's it's a religious holiday to me. And also... Last time I checked, Mm -hmm. Christmas is a holiday, so Happy Holidays includes Christmas. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Happy Holidays except Christmas, or except not Christmas, because I don't believe in that. That's 
Christmas is a religious holiday for me, but I don't find the need to browbeat people about it. It's a religious holiday for you. Right. And so it's the, the other people can celebrate it different ways. It does not mean that we are forced to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because he got a Christmas present. It's, as a matter of fact, that's the wrong motivation for It's the day Jesus I get Christ to eat chocolate first thing in the morning and prime rib at night. And for that, you can thank Jesus. And I have the day off. Thank you. Hallelujah. So that's, I get to make so as, literally hundreds of cookies and give them away. That a, is what Christmas is a, to me. As a secular person, though, mm-hmm. How do you view the religious elements of it? Now, I'm not talking about the being browbeaten with religious elements. Yeah. If if you celebrate mm-hmm. religiously, I mean, if you're a religious person, well, like, this, what this do you mean, how do I view why. it? I'm like, uh, I'm, more power to you. Am I no, going to no, go to a midnight mass? I'm Hell no. Explain why. <laughs> okay. Uh, we had a coworker um, not too long ago who was complaining about having to see religious symbols on Christmas. Which I thought was the that makes exact opposite no way. No sense. Like, well, I'm to me. forced to look at these pictures of things I don't believe in. Who is forcing them? That's is there like a about. weird um, clockwork orange situation in their home? He Are they being held he hostage? Couldn't get away from these religious symbols, and I didn't understand exactly why he was so upset about it. Because I thought I could understand if I was in another country and I was seeing religious symbols of things I didn't believe in, I wouldn't be angry about it. I just sort of accept that's the way it is. Like, that's is the, the way it is. But also, what I I could go the entire December season mm-hmm. and if I'm not seeking out mm-hmm. religious iconography, I'm not really it's not being forced on me. No. You so, believed it was, which was I was but, a strange like, that's what I'm like, where right. where is this Coming from what that what that sounds like to me, and this is true for a lot of people, is that uh, something terrible happened during the holiday season for them, right. and they would like to not think about it being the holidays, because it's a it brings up trauma from the past, and you can't get away from it. That I can kind of understand, but to tie that to religious iconography is uh, odd because, like I said, I mean we have nativities in the house. Mm-hmm. I don't look at them if I don't want to look at them. I ha- I have the ability to both close my eyes and turn my head. I'm blessed, I guess. So I don't. I I've never. I never feel like I'm being forced, you know, into anything. Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't understand his complaint. If you don't want to watch it or see it, turn it off and right. look away. It's, they just sort of. He felt like he was drowning in it, and I thought, well, that's that's very melodramatic. But, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand that. I, I know that... Unless they also indicate uh, that everything Christmas that is, you know, holly and snow and trees and lights and all of that, they all put in I think a religious bubble. It as a religious bubble. Which it, it, if, it, if you're not religious, that. it isn't that. Right, it's a lot more of that than there is the other. And so I never saw it that way. And I can understand it can get kind of overwhelming. Yes, I I don't like most Christmas music. Uh, I always find yes. it slightly strange to when you're shopping here, you're, you're shopping, you know, you're walking in front of the windows at Victoria's Secret and there's a song playing about our Lord and Savior. Well, this yeah. is a weird juxtaposition. There's a lot. Well, that's because so Christmas music now runs the gamut because they have to have enough to play for two solid months. Right. So, the, yeah. <laughs> Which is 
one very month odd. too long, it's, and I would argue maybe six weeks too long. It's very odd coming across. I like that. Christmas music on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and maybe mm-hmm. Boxing Day, and then I'm well, pretty much done. What was your tradition in your home? What do you mean? Do your cr- tradition around Christmas? Um, so we always had a Christmas tree and uh-huh. we never had a fake one. It was a real Christmas tree. Uh-huh. Um, we had stockings. We had these really cool, and I kind of wish I had known where they were when my mom passed and I would have taken some. Uh-huh. These big felt, actually I could maybe recreate them and make them. These big felt like um, door decorations, but they were all secular. There was a snowman and a candy cane, and we would put them up on whatever doors. No, but your mom was a practicing was. Catholic. Then. My mother was a lapsed Catholic. Oh, she okay. was not a practicing Catholic. She believed God was a nice idea by the time that she had me. So no, she and she, I never saw her go to church. Um, we had we did stockings. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really did external lights, but we were often in either apartments or trailers, and it wasn't right. really conducive. Um, Christmas Day, we would wake up and we would go to my parents' room. When I was little, I'm talking about when I was right. small. We'd go to my parents' room and they would have drink coffee and we would do our stockings. Um, and then we'd go into the living room and they always, my mom really liked Christmas. So she like, she loved wrapping things. So even if we got small gifts, they'd be in big boxes. So it looked very much like you'd see on TV. Like even when yeah. we were real broke and we were real broke a lot she made it look like i never saw our christmas and then went it is not like what you see on tv Mm. which was a pretty magical thing that she would do for us um and then we opened our presents by like 10 because we (laughs) when we got old enough to like know better we had to like stay in bed until seven or whatever it was like do not wake us up um you know, we're too early. We're not doing that. Uh, and then we usually have like roast beef that night. I don't remember the food around things or around Christmas, but my mom would put out a similar spread the way that she did um, on Thanksgiving with gherkins and black olives and mm-hmm. all of the things I still like to eat during the holidays. Um, and we would munch throughout the day, and that was it. And we watched football because my dad yeah. watched football. So that's, we had one See, television, so that's what was my on. My dad, being from Puerto Rico, didn't care for football. Baseball was a thing. Yeah. So football was not an interest to him. My dad was both a 49ers fan and a Dallas fan, which I'm, I I still believe you can't be both of those <laughs> things. So I, I don't quite know uh, how that worked. Um, and then... Like, my mom would usually play music and sing at some point during the day. Right. So just, just, she, she had a guitar. She always had a guitar. Um, and she'd pull it out, like, twice a year. And this was one of the times right. she would pull it out. Um, and then I don't remember evenings, probably because I've blocked them, because they would drink through the day and then um, be less pleasant as the day went so on. We were so. in a dry household. Okay, yeah. Um, my dad, uh, when he converted, gave up on all this. And he apparently, my mom found out quite to her... Um, Chagrin? Yes. <laughs> just how wild my dad used to be oh, when yeah. she met some of his old friends. And they were terrified of him. Well, you know, that guy. <laughs> Those were his friends. But uh, I, I just recently went out with a friend, and she's very meticulous. Uh, Christmas creep shopping. And it reminded me, it brought back a memory that I'd almost forgotten, which is going out Christmas tree shopping with my dad. Mm-hmm. 
So we originally lived about three blocks away from where we're sitting now. Right. And we had a tiny alley behind our house, a concrete aisle that was about four feet wide or five feet wide. Okay. With a drain on one end, a gutter. And that was our backyard. Oh, okay. So I always, going to the local park, which is not far away from where we are now, was a big deal because I'd never seen trees or things like that before. So going Christmas tree shopping was a huge deal because I was walking amongst trees. And yeah. Never mind that they were cut. Yeah, right. But still, it's right. like the only forest you get. Yeah. And the experience recently of going Christmas tree shopping really reminded me of how I liked going with my dad to like Christmas tree lots all over. Mm-hmm. And trees You'd were... go to multiple lots? Yeah. Oh, he was incredibly picky. <laughs> wow. He was very picky. He did not... He was looking for the straight... Um, center uh, um, trunk. Yes. And the very symmetrical branches. Symmetrical branches. So he would go all the way around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, he liked like delineated like levels. Okay, so certain... Okay, I like a shaggy Christmas tree. He did not I want it to be 90% branch. Because he said that there were needles and it was a fire hazard. No, of course, he's not wrong. we had these old-fashioned lights that are probably still somewhere in this house. They were enormous. The lights were the size of my thumb. Yes, I they love those huge. lights. And that's, that's what we had too. That's one of the reasons why he didn't want to put a bushy tree up because he was really afraid they would catch fire. Okay, yeah. Because standards were not the same back no. then. So every once in a while you'd be sitting there watching television and you'd hear pop and one of these things is sparking. So oh, geez. <laughs> so no, <laughs> that was not you, you also probably kept a very, uh, like a you had the water, right? Yeah. And the ugh, watering a Christmas tree is... Yeah, so <laughs> that was like, that's probably my best Christmas memory, aside from eating a lot mm-hmm. and going to church. Uh, Would you some, go Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Oh, interesting. Went. And then after New Year's Eve, everyone would come back to my house and my mom would throw a huge party. And she'd because it was for her birthday. Right. Also for the New Year, but also for her birthday. Right. And, and you guys celebrate the... Yeah. Announce- is it yes. the Annunciation? So what happened is that my dad, because he was from Puerto Rico and because he had been Catholic, we used to give out gifts on January 6th. Right. So it was always troublesome to go oh, back to school. You go back to school, everybody's like, what'd you get? And you're right. like, I don't know yet. Don't know, exactly. <laughs> They're looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Get away from me. But um, Really, though, I bet the Jewish kids were like, yeah, I get yeah. it. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so it was just very strange because everyone's like, well, what did you get for Christmas? And uh, yeah, those are probably the best memories. That and I used to absorb television as a kid. I guess I still do. You yeah, look at you me sometimes do. and wonder how I can watch the same movie five you times. You do, and, but you also are doing other things while you're right. watching it, but still, yeah. So the reason why I have the encyclopedic memory of films and television, well, it's because I spent a lot of time absorbing it as a kid, so... I, for some reason, every year would watch every single adaptation of A Christmas Carol. If it was done with Mr. Magoo, if it was done with animated puppets. Are you excited was... about this weird, creepy FX one that's coming I out? I think so, yes, because it's a ghost story. Yes. I like ghost stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't get that. Oh, it's jolly. Oh, no, it's not jolly. Especially no, that it's last not. ghost is creepy and he shows yes. in his grave. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> it needs to scare him <laughs> <You're right>. straight. <laughs> but what I liked about it is that uh, and that probably was the my whole the beginning of my interest with Dickens. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. But I used That's to watch all the Christmas specials and watch all the animated stuff. I loved watching animation. The Rankin Bass stuff and yeah. the yeah. I remember the Raisins Christmas, California Raisins yeah. Christmas, the actual claymation, right? Yeah, right. Which you can still it, yeah. it was, they'll still air it. Um, and what was I was going to say, oh, I also 
lived in a place where it snowed sometimes. Mm-hmm. I have never had a white Christmas. We had one year where it snowed on Christmas Eve, was totally gone on Christmas Day, and snowed the day after Christmas. It's <laughs> like, no. I have never seen snow. I know, which is wild to me. I have That's... never seen it. Ever. Oh, right, because you did not come to Reno when, when I got snowed in. Right. Yeah. Which would have been a terrifying thing. Yeah, but like, here it is. <laughs> it's, like, it's terrible. I had a friend who was coming from another state to California, and his first earthquake was a Loma Prieta quake. And oh, yeah. Well, if you're going to do it, you will big, out of the state because he thought every earthquake was like that. And I said, no, no, that was a genuine cataclysm. We don't get those very yeah. often. What? was your favorite Christmas present when you were a kid? Uh, something Like the best Christmas present you dinosaurs. got, you remember getting. Do you, you just, you don't remember exactly I don't remember exactly, but it was, I'm sure, because I got all the dinosaur stuff. Yeah. And everyone knew what to get me. I was the best, the easiest uh, I know, it's Christmas like, present. There's uh, memes online that are like, you, you turn 35 and you just pick a thing that you like so that just everybody can get you that uh-huh. thing, owls or whatever. You were uh-huh. a 35-year-old man at seven. You're like, dinosaurs. <laughs> no, no, right. If it had dinosaurs. That's all. I want dinosaurs. That's that... what I do now. If I see a thing with dinosaurs, I'm like, well, I'm going to get that for you. I had a toy trunk at the time that was just filled with every kind of plastic dinosaur that ever got made. Little ones, big ones, ones as big as my head, little tiny ones as big as my fingers. It was a lot of fun. Everyone knew what to get me. What was yours? The best Christmas present I ever got was uh-huh. um, a combination of a used Nintendo NES, the original mm-hmm. system, about right. three years after it actually came out, I think. Uh, I, I, so it was used, but that was fine. It worked. And it came with two games, and that was the original Super Mario Brothers uh-huh. game and Duck Hunt. That's it. And the tape dookie by green day we got them together <laughs> they were dual gifts to my sister and me because uh, that's how it works uh, when you're uh, 10 months older than your sister um oh that was the other thing the other i forgot about that we always got to open one present christmas eve uh, oh um and they would push us towards open these <laughs> and it was always matching pajamas mine were always red and hers were always blue oh wow it was the same, but it was, yeah. So that that was the other thing that we did. See, I really, I have to thank you for Christmas, actually. Uh, there was a period of time when I hadn't celebrated Christmas for a long time. It was really the first time that we moved into yeah, the apartment. Yeah, it was the with, one uh, on Deacon. Right. And I, and I was not celebrating Christmas at that point. I right. was, Yes, I, I hadn't in a long time. And I remember that we were buying a wreath in, was it a Walmart? It was Walgreens. I Walgreens? Went, I was like, I, for the first time in, since I'd moved out, and yeah. so it had been seven years or more, right. I wanted to celebrate Christmas. Yes. And so I was like, I bought like a $40 tree from right. Walgreens and whatever, we had the cat then, so yeah. whatever non-breakable ornaments that they had for Which the funny, because I remember that evening as us both kind of like sniffling and sobbing and looking yeah, at each other. Yeah, it was like, like this is we can make Christmas right. again, well, <laughs> and it won't be terrible. This was after the passing of my father. Right. And what had happened in the interim was I stopped celebrating Christmas, not because I, I, a war on Christmas. No. It was because my father, a year after I graduated from high school, had the first of five strokes. Mm-hmm. And he did a slow descent into severe illness over a long period of time. So for about 10 years, we spent every Christmas in the hospital. And not, if not for him, then yeah. your mom would have then my, an then issue. After a, a years of 
he finally didn't get pneumonia this year. Then it became she had a heart attack right before Christmas. Yeah. And so we were in the hospital for her. So it was for years. We'd spent Christmas through New Year's listening to, I would stay in his hospital room at night listening to a pump sunk wa- suck water out of his lungs. So liquid out of his lungs, yeah. And that, and that's was, just that was my Christmas for years. Yeah. So it, was, it wasn't until we actually were roommates that um, that it came back to me. So it's it's been an interesting trip. I'm looking forward to it again this year. But for a long time, it just brought back memories I didn't want. Yeah. Yeah, and I decided this year because we're going through housing drama mm-hmm. and it's uh, we don't know what's going to happen next year i wanted to do right. big things and for the last few years my big thing for christmas has been baking i have um, we are looking we are sitting and looking at a vast sea of baking uh ingredients that are right. going to be turned into literally hundreds and of cookies since this began attack i am now looking forward to eating cookies yes. and possibly um, and then dying of a diabetic right. coma. Whoops, it was an accident. And moderating my cookie use and if people are listening vigorous to this exercise. After the fact, it was I did not murder him on purpose. He could have stopped at any time. I do live with a bunch of people who have literally no self-control no. when it comes to cookies specifically. Oh, well, they have no self-control when the cookies are that good. No. It's wild. It's good cookies. Anyhow. <sighs> So that probably brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah. But thank you for sharing it with us. If you have any ideas about your Christmas or fond memories, yeah, you can tell, tell us. Yeah, tell us about your traditions, because I'm always mm-hmm. looking to incorporate a new tradition. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. And if you have any Christmas traditions you'd like to share, we would love to hear from you. Yes, we would. We have an internet home without workspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, Twitter, on Twitter, and at Facebook at withoutworkspod. Uh, All of those links are available on the website, so uh, go over there, have a look around. I've been Amity. He's been Lemuel. We wish you both a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas, and we urge you to go out there and do something good. Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun, under the sun.